Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning, Freedom Church. How are you doing? Everybody doing all right? Everybody turn to your neighbor and tell them, wake up, wake up, wake up a little bit, man. They're a little bit sleepy. How many of you guys enjoyed losing an hour of sleep? Said no one ever, right? But I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming to the first service on Time Change Sunday. And I'm so thankful for the incredible people who make this uh, services possible. Like our parking team was here. They always get here earlier than an hour earlier. Our worship team, our media team. Thank God for them. Sometimes we just think that all this stuff just happens, but give it up for our serve team members that just serve so faithfully every week. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. This morning, I want to talk to you about an issue that has affected every, affected every one of us. You know, I've talked about this issue to more people over my 24 years of ministry than any other issue. This is probably the most important life issue I deal with. It's the issue that's the root to negative emotions for all of us. It's, it's a root to bitterness. It's a root to anger, resentment, and stress. Anybody want to guess what the issue that I'm talking about today is? Forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't natural for us. In fact, probably our most natural inclination would be captured in this book that I found online called the Revenge Encyclopedia. You can find this on Amazon, and man, this has nearly a thousand schemes and tricks on how to get back at people who have wronged you. So if you're a vengeful person, this is not, Jesus would not write this book, but it's an actual book. And in this book, like there's, how many of you guys, man, you're not bitter about this, but it's one thing I kind of get bitter about, but I got to forgive. How many guys lend out books all the time and never get them back? Raise your hand. Well, there's a way to get people back, according to the Revenge Encyclopedia. This is what you do. You go to the local garage sale. You buy as many of the cheap hardback books as you possibly can for 25 cents. And then you put, you get a label. You print the name, the address of the person who took your book and didn't return it. And this is what you write in it, according to the revert. If you find this book and return it to me, I'll pay you $25. Then you get all these books, and this is what you go. You, you go to the park, you go to the restaurant, you go to the mall, you, the mall, you spread the love all over the place, and you imagine the look on the face of the person who took your book and didn't give it back to you as somebody asked them for $25, and they're knocking at their door. This book even has a section on what to do if your pastor preaches a long, boring sermon. You know what? I'm not going to give you any ideas for that. See, revenge is part of our wiring. Forgiveness is hard. C.S. Lewis said this, everyone thinks forgiveness is a beautiful thing until they have someone to forgive. Forgiveness is like that old classified ad that said this, for sale, wedding dress will trade for a 38 special. See, Jesus had a lot to say about forgiveness. And as we continue our series, Parables, we're going to look at a story where Jesus talked about forgiveness in Matthew 18, and he expounded on forgiveness more than any other place in all of Scripture. See, parables are earthly analogies that explain heavenly realities. And here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus was a masterful teacher. 
He was a masterful storyteller. And what he wanted to do, sometimes he would have these deep, profound, heavenly kingdom principles. And instead of just giving us information, because some of us are ADD like myself, he wanted to put it in a way that we'll never forget. And he was a very incredible teacher. And he would tell these stories, and these stories would stay imprinted on the lives of people forever. And Jesus does this here in Matthew 18 to talk about the topic of forgiveness. So let me set the stage for you. Jesus had been talking about forgiveness, and Peter, one of his disciples, obviously was dealing with this issue. Somebody had ticked him off. And let me tell you a little bit what we know about Peter. He was the only disciple that we know for sure that was married. You know why? Because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So those of you that have mother-in-laws, we got to assume that his mother-in-law is taking him off at this time. That's why he's, he's, he's dealing with this issue. Just kidding. I, I love you, mom, and my mother-in-law, Carmen. I'm just kidding. This is not you. It's for other people's mother-in-laws. Or maybe his wife gave him a honeydew list, and he wants to watch the game. But something's going on. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know exactly. But he's dealing with this issue of forgiveness. And he starts to ask Jesus questions. How many of you guys know, if you read the scriptures, when you ask Jesus questions, it's always not good to just think you're going to get a straight answer from Jesus because Jesus is going to give you the answer and then he's going to like hit you over the head and you're going to be, you're going to be thankful that you, you're going to be hoping that you never asked the question. But look at, look at the question that, that Peter asked right here and check out the tenor of the question because Peter answers the question for himself. How many of you guys know sometimes we come to Jesus and we answer the question and we already know we have the answer that we have, but Jesus says, hey, your answer is not what you need. You need a greater answer. And this is what's happening in this text. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter is trying to show off because the rabbis during this day taught that if you forgive someone three times, that was huge forgiveness. And this is what Peter's saying. Jesus, you know I'm a disciple. I love you. I'm willing to do everything for you. Jesus, should we forgive seven times? Like double the, the Pharisees plus one? Is that how many times we should give? That's how awesome I am, Jesus. That's how many times I'll forgive. But look what Jesus says in verse 42. Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times. But 77 times. Jesus is saying to live a life of forgiveness. Because forgiven people are a forgiving people. See, Peter made an assumption. Peter had the wrong idea about forgiveness. Forgiveness is more for the one who has been offended rather than the one who has carried out the offense. A lot of us think forgiveness is more for the person that hurt us. No, forgiveness is more for us. And this is what Jesus is teaching us in this parable. Forgiveness is about me. We wrongly think, well, if I would do this forgiveness thing, it would be more for them than for me. Then Peter is anxious to find out about what this whole forgiveness concept is according to Jesus. And Jesus goes into one of his classic stories. He gives him an answer, but then he just doesn't want to provide him an answer. He wants to give him a reason for the answer. This is good parenting, right? Sometimes don't do this. No, this is why you don't do this. So Jesus is telling him, no, you're not just supposed to forgive 77 times. Let me tell you why you're supposed to live this life of forgiveness. And this is what's so amazing about Jesus. Jesus is not just a religious teacher that gives us rules and regulations. He goes down to the very heart of the issue of why we should live the way that we live. That's why the parables are so powerful. They're just not just rules on a paper, but they're life. And he brings down to the reason of forgiveness. He breaks it down in verse 23. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
And as he began the settlement, a man who had owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Can you imagine that? Losing everything, your wife, your children, becoming slaves. This is, this is a horrendous situation. This is a hopeless situation this man finds himself in. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay you back everything. And I like verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Let's pray. Lord, as we get into your word, I know this is an issue that every one of us deal with. And Lord, I pray, I know some of us, you've been dealing with this issue all year long. And I pray that this would be the message and this would be the moment where you break that root of bitterness. God, that forgiveness shines. Just, just put your hand in your heart. Lord, speak to me, Lord, if there's anything holding me back from you. Set me free this morning, Jesus. Amen. Jesus says to Peter, okay, let me give you an example. There's this wealthy king. He's like the Elon Musk of his day. He's balling. He has so much money. And he goes through all his accounting records and he decides to call in all the people who owed him money. And this wealthy king discovered that there's a servant who owed him a lot of money. One talent back then, according to my studies, would be worth about $5,000 today. Just one talent. This man owed 10,000 talents. You do the math. He owed tens of millions of dollars. He could never pay it back in his lifetime. So this king called him into his office and said, it's time to pay up. He's like, show me the money. Back then, there was no such thing as chapter 11 or chapter 13 bankruptcy. There was no uh, government bailouts. There was no uh, PP loans, anything like that. You had to pay it up or else everything you owned, including your family, would be sold. And look at the response in verse 26. He's begging for the mercy of God. Be patient with me, he begged. He fell on his knees. I'll pay you back everything. He says, I'm good for it. I, got, I just got a job at Tesla at the Gigafactory. I'll be making six figures. Don't worry. I'm doing my best. I'm having a good life. But how many of you guys know, even if you're making six figures, how long would it take you to pay off $50 million? Like 10 lifetimes? There is no way that he could pay back this king in verse 27 the servant the, the servant's master took pity on him and he canceled the debts can you imagine that you owe tens and millions of dollars the interest the interest has accrued you're about to lose everything even your family and they call you in and they say you are forgiven you know i would be doing backflips i would be dancing i would be saying thank you jesus I it would be an amazing moment it would be the best day of my life. And this story illustrates the gospel. We are that servant. And God is that wealthy king. And we owed him millions and millions and millions because of our sin. The debt here is when you've done somebody wrong. And we have done God wrong so many times. We have accrued so much debt towards God. But here is the good news. God has forgiven us. 
This is good news. This is the gospel. All the times you cheated somebody rudely, the lies you've told, the things you have stole, the things that you've done that nobody knows about, your worst moment. Think about those things you don't want anybody to know about when you sinned against God. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for your sins and he paid it in full and we are forgiven and we are free and that is good news. That's what Jesus is saying here. You are forgiven. But he's also saying this. When somebody hurts us, when somebody's taking advantage of us, he uses this analogy, a debt's been created. And when somebody does this wrong, this is what we think, they owe me. And we could go around living with this debt mentality. Remember, as the story continues, this, this idea of a debt and they owe me. Look at verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. You know how much a hundred denarii is? About $11. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I'll pay you back. But wow, look at verse 30. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. The story says this guy who has just been forgiven tens of millions of dollars finds a guy who owes him $11. And you know what he does? He starts choking him. Give me my $11. How can he, he understand the absurdity of the story that Jesus is saying? You owe 50 million. And there's this homie right here who's done you wrong for $11. And you're choking him and trying to forgive him. And this servant who owed him $11 is thrown into prison. And here's the thing. The king who forgave him millions hears about it. He says, what's up with this? And he was like, how could he do that? And Jesus was telling Peter this story to teach him about what? Forgiveness. Peter was looking for a place where forgiveness stops. Is seven times enough to forgive? Where can forgiveness stop? But this is what Jesus is teaching. It's a profound thing. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Peter wants to know, is there an expiration date on forgiveness? Is there a sin I shouldn't forgive? Is there a person in this room right now, you could tell the story, the pain, the heartache, the abuse, how you were done wrong, that you've come up here, and if you told your story, and everybody would say, wow, that hurt, and God would give you a pink slip on forgiveness. No, you can actually hold that grudge. And according to Jesus, the answer is no. Because he has forgiven us. $50 million. Who are we to hold these offenses of $11 to? Jesus, no matter how big or small the offense, we are to forgive. And in this story, Jesus says this, we are to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. And if we are truly a forgiven people, then we will be a forgiving people. It's one of the ways that you know that you're walking in gospel power. That all of a sudden, when people offend you, it doesn't Hold on. Are you easily offended? Do you get mad? Do you get angry? Do you have a little bit of a Karen in you because something doesn't go wrong? These are all realities that the gospel hasn't settled in our hearts. But this man in the story, he doesn't understand the grace and the mercy that was extended to him. He found himself in serious trouble. Look at verse 32. 
The master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master found, turned him over to the jailers and tortured him. And here's a huge thing. Not forgiving harms us. Bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, it's self-destructive. It's like Job 5.2. It says this, resentment kills a fool. The word resentment means to think again over and over, to turn something over in the barbecue grill of your mind, thinking about that offense. And when we just think about how we've been wronged all the time, how we had a bad childhood, how we were done bad in that deal, how they did us wrong, guess what happens? Our emotions get out of whack and we become miserable. That's what it means, resentment, to hold on to it. You know what forgiveness means? To let it go. You know what resentment means? To harbor, to barbecue the offense over and over and over in our mind. And here's the challenge for many people. The reason that they cannot get into the next season that God has for them is because they're holding on to resentment. They're playing the childhood. They're playing the offense. It's on the barbecue grill of their mind, and it is causing all kinds of havoc on their lives. One study at Stanford University stated that letting go of a grudge can slash one's stress up to 50%. Volunteers of that study showed improvements in energy, mood, sleep quality, and overall vitality. Many in that study lost over 60 pounds. I'm only kidding about that last part. Make sure you're listening. <laughs> but study after study confirms the harmful effects of unforgiveness. The doctor of this study, this is what he said, quoted as saying, carrying around a load of bitterness and anger at how unfairly you were treated is very, very toxic. I wanted to illustrate that to you. Here's our lives. King pillowcase. Here it is. We've all had a sad story, huh? Every one of us. In life, you're going to have a sad story. What are you going to do with your sad story? Maybe your sad story was abuse. You were physically abused. You were sexually abused. You were emotionally abused. And what happens, that abuse gets down to the very core of who we are. And we carry around our sad story with us everywhere. Maybe... You had injustice in your life. You didn't get the job. They didn't treat you right. Somebody did you wrong. You were falsely accused. It should have happened, but somebody did you dirty. There was an injustice in your life. And guess what happens? If we don't deal with that, guess where that injustice goes? It goes into your life, and you start carrying around your sad story. Maybe... You had a relationship, and things were amazing and awesome, and they were going great, and all of a sudden there was an affair or hurt and abandonment. And guess what happens? Divorce and heartache and pain can come in. And what happens is, if we're not careful, it gets deposited into our lives. And we walk around with this sad story. Or maybe over your life, you've had a lot of hurtful words. People have said mean things about you. They've lied about you. They've spoken death over you. And if we're not careful, this is what happens. We begin to allow it to get over our lives, and we carry around our sad story with us everywhere 
we go. And if we don't forgive others according, not just to the Bible, but according to studies that we carry toxic emotions with us the rest of our lives. And if we don't forgive others, and if we don't allow God to heal our pain, if we don't allow God to transform our pain, we will transfer it to others. And this is what will happen. You'll be in a relationship. Jeremy, come up here real quick. Just come up here. And, and you'll be in a relationship, and you start talking, and he says one thing, and, and all of a sudden you just hit him. He's like, what was that? It's not the relationship that took place, but it's the pain that happens. It's like we're killing flies with bazookas. And the people that we love the most, the friends that we care about the most, the relationships that we love about the most, we have a small little conversation here, but they get hit with the baggage of everything that we do and all our emotions. They're like, what was that all about? I just talked to you about dinner and you lost your mind. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Right? And what happens is this. We have emotional breakdowns and pain and stress. That's exactly what happens in the text. What happened to this man? He had an emotional breakdown for $11 and starts choking the guy. And what's ironic about this story is the king delivered this servant from prison. Now this servant has put himself back into prison. And the same is true in my life and yours. We've been forgiven of our sins. Jesus has set us free. He has forgiven us. But guess what happens? Only we can let go of the baggage. We carry it with us in our relationship. We carry it with us in our kids. We carry it with us to our job. And we carry these toxic emotions. And we struggle with anxiety. We struggle with stress. There's bitterness. And everybody is feeling our sad story. Because we all got a sad story. But here's the reality. Jesus calls us to let it go. If you finish this story, I, I can, if I can be real with you, I don't like this next verse. How many of you guys wish there were verses in the Bible that you can just kind of press the delete button? Many times I wish I could just rip off this section. I wish I could just, it's so convicting. It messes with me. And it'll mess with you too. When you listen to it, here's how Jesus summarizes this story. I'm sorry, i got to preach the whole Bible. I don't really want to share this, but it's Jesus' words. Verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What? Can Jesus mean that? Can that really be true? Jesus says, God's forgiveness is tied to my forgiveness. It's impossible to forgive others unless you understand how much Christ has forgiven you. That's why forgiven people are a forgiving people. Let me tell you this. Unforgiveness at its root is unbelief in the gospel. If you don't forgive, you don't fully understand the power of the gospel. Because when you've experienced the mercy and the grace, you cannot, when you realize that you owed millions of dollars, you cannot help but extend forgiveness to somebody who's owed you just hundreds of dollars. Here's the challenge of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness says what that person did to me is more powerful than what Jesus did for me on the cross. And if you remember verse 22, Peter tells, Jesus tells Peter, you're talking about seven times? Well, check this out, big boy. 
I'll put you seven times. I'll times that in 11. And this is an illustration of over the top, a life of forgiveness. It should be a lifestyle of forgiveness. And then Jesus drops the mic and all the disciples are punching Peter. Why did you have to say that? Like, Peter, like, dude. You know, Jesus always goes over this stuff with that forgiveness top. Like, man, Peter's like, trying to show off. Jesus always puts us on blast. And some of you are going, Benito, I understand all that, but you don't realize what happened to me. You don't realize my father abandoned me. You don't know what my mother did. You don't know what my pastor did. You don't know what my uncle, my friend did. You know what my boss, I can't forgive them. I want to share with you a story of someone in our church who extended forgiveness and how God used that to restore a broken relationship in a profound way. Watch the screens. Good morning, Freedom Church. Uh, my name is Edwin Blackman, and I just wanted to briefly share my testimony with you. You know, you hear quite often people say that forgiveness is more for you than the person that you are, are forgiven. We often say that over and over again, but until you actually experience the freedom that forgiveness brings, they're just hollow words. For 40 plus years, I did not have a relationship with my biological father, although he only lived a couple of blocks away from my childhood home. And growing up that with that knowledge, I always told myself I would be just the opposite of who he was and what he was about. And in doing so, that also meant being the opposite of the good parts of it. I harbored that, that frustration, that pain, that hate for many years until one Sunday at Freedom Church, Pastor Benito was preaching and I have no idea what he was preaching about, but it ushered in a moment for me to have a, an encounter with God. And, and that encounter simply led me to forgiving my father for, for years and years of, 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 of all the mess and hate and, har and, and frustration I harbored, even to the point of hating him at some points. And, if a wind could have blew through the walls of that building, I would have floated away like a feather because I felt so light after that encounter with God and I could not go back to a state of hating him. And matter of fact, I never even told him that I forgave him. But from that moment on, the relationship between my father and I changed. And we began to, to build a relationship that, that I've always wanted and we've never had. He would even send cards in the mail at random times, not for birthdays or anything, just a random card in May that says, you're a good son and a good father. Um, fast forward a little bit into the future, a year and a half later, um, my dad told me in, in August or so that, that his cancer was back. Mind you, I never knew he had cancer, but when he came back the second time, it was a more aggressive form and the doctor said that there was nothing that they could do about it and that he might be around to celebrate Thanksgiving, but he wouldn't be around to celebrate Christmas with us. My dad passed away this past December 4th. But for a year and a half, because I left God to move that pain and that hate and that frustration out of my life, I had a year and a half where I had a good relationship with my dad, where we would sit and 
talk for hours and I would I would look at my watch and three and four and five hours would have had, uh, passed and I was like, hey daddy, I gotta go home and you know, my wife's gonna be looking for me. But we couldn't have had that if I continued to harbor and hold on to that hate and that frustration and that pain. I experienced a freedom that I've never had before in my life and, and when I say that you know, forgiveness is, is for you and not the other person. It really is for you because until you let go of that stuff, you're going to continue to poison your entire life. So I, I really appreciate you, you listening to my testimony. And if there's something in your heart that you're harboring, if there's, you know, pain or frustration or loss or anything else that's, that's in your heart that's blocking you from your relationship with Christ. Ask God to, to help you forgive that issue or that person or whatever the case may be so that you can move forward because the Bible is clear. God says if you want him to forgive us, that we have to be just as forgiving. Thank you so much for listening to my testimony. May God bless you and keep you. So powerful. Get real practical with you, practical with you as I close. I want to give you five common rationalizations why we don't forgive. Here's the first rationalization people say. The offense is too big. The bigger it is, the more you don't need to carry it anymore. What's bigger? What Christ did for you or what was done to you? Here's the second rationalization. Time will heal it. I'm going to flip some pages on the calendar and it'll go away. It's, trying, it's like trying to fix a car that's been wrecked by parking it. Hoping the damage from the wreck will go away just doesn't happen. It won't. Number three, I will forgive when they say sorry. Newsflash, write this down. They're not coming. If they do come and you're carrying around bitterness and hurt around, you will not be ready to receive the apology anyways. Number four, I can't forgive if I can't forget. This thought is backwards. You can't forget until you forgive. Forgiveness is the decision to regularly review the offense, to put it on the barbecue grill of your mind and turn it over again and again. It's the decision to keep carrying the pain and you will never forget until you forgive. Number five, if I forgive, they'll just do it again. They don't have to carry two of these around. Wouldn't we better drop the offenses than to carry it around? These rationalizations are foolish. I know we've all fought them at one time or another. Notice what this man who didn't forgive tells the king when he's brought into the palace. You notice what he says when, he's, when he realizes that he held the offense for $11? What does he tell the king? What does he tell him? Nothing. Because there's nothing he can say. There's absolutely nothing you can say when you have been forgiven millions of dollars and you've held an offense for tens of dollars. There's nothing you can say in that moment. As Christ followers, people who love Jesus, we only have one option. That's to forgive. But before, let me clear up some misconceptions about forgiveness. Because I want, I, want, I want you to really, really understand this. First thing is this. Forgiveness is not pretending it didn't hurt. It's not saying it's no big deal. It's not brushing it under the rug. It's not saying it doesn't really affect me anymore. It, 
was a big deal. It did hurt. Let me tell you this. When you minimize a wrong, you cheapen forgiveness. Look at the cross. Our sin was a big deal. Jesus just didn't take our, just say, oh, no big deal. Man, of the adultery, the lying, the pornography, no big deal. No, it was a big deal. I had to die on the cross for you. Guess what's bigger than that? My love and my forgiveness. Forgiveness is not whitewashing an offense. It's like the husband who's had an affair and says, oh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. No, guess what? Sometimes you got to talk about it. That's how you get over it. It's not forgetting about it. It's looking at the issues and dealing with it. Number two, forgiveness is not a reunion. Forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without any changes. A lot of people think if I forgive somebody, then I have to accept them back just the way they are and they'll continue to hurt me. Let me just say this. No, you don't. So free some of you up. Forgiveness is what you do if you're offended. But if the relationship is going to be restored, if the offender is going to come back to reunion, three things need to take place. They need to repent. They need to make it right, and they need to rebuild your trust. Understand, you need to forgive them whether they do that or not, but forgiveness is not the same as a reunion. This holds a lot of people up. Number three, forgiveness is not immediately trusting. Forgiveness can be instant, but on the other hand, you must rebuild trust over time. Some people think, if I, if I forgive an abusive spouse, then I have to let them back in the house. No, you don't. That's not what I'm saying. Forgiveness saying is I'm going to let go of the hurt. I'm not, I'm not going to release you from my anger and from my bitterness. It takes time to rebuild trust. Number four, forgiveness is not an emotion or a feeling. Forgiveness is not a warm feeling or a gushy love towards the person who hurt you. If you wait until that, you'll never forgive somebody. Now that we know what forgiveness is not, let me tell you your choices with this. Forgiveness is a choice. And here's the two choices you can have. You can choose not to be offended. Let me tell you something that's powerful. No one can offend you. You know that? No one can offend you. Somebody did something and you chose to be offended, but they cannot offend you. You chose to hold on to the offense. But understand, they didn't offend you. You choose to be offended. Right now, we are, so many of us are just choosing to hold on to the offense. And what God is saying is this. Choose to let go. The second thing is this. We must choose to forgive. I might not have all the feelings of forgiveness, but I can choose to forgive anyways. This is a next illustration. Forgiveness is like ketchup bottle. How many of you guys like ketchup? I like ketchup with everything. I put so much ketchup everywhere. You can't find these old school bottles of ketchup. You know what about what ketchup? It just doesn't come out right away. Why? Because there's contents are pressured. These old school ketchups is just stuck in here. But here's what they do. It's actually, if you read the trademark, there's actually this Heinz 57 place right there. It says if you want the ketchup to come out, that you have to hit it right in this place. So we got to choose to forgive. First, we got to be open to forgiveness. Then you got to realize this, that forgiveness is a choice, and then it's a process. And when somebody hurts you, you got to forgive again. You got to keep on choosing to forgive. You got to keep on saying, you know what? It's not going to come out easy. I'm open to it. And all of a sudden, as we tap the contents, forgiveness begins to flow over and over in our lives. But first thing we got to do 
We're so pressurized. All these emotions are in us. We're controlling us. We're so caught up with that. But if we would just keep on forgiving, God would do amazing things. Let me tell you this. This is so important. Forgiveness is a moment and forgiveness is a process. You got to keep tapping the bottle of forgiveness. If that hurts, comes back, does that mean I haven't forgiven? No, it doesn't. No, it means keep on tapping. Forgive again. Keep practicing the gospel. 77 times live a life of forgiveness and there are some things that have been done to us that are so deep that we got to walk in forgiveness daily got to keep on tapping the bottle of forgiveness year after year in her concentration camp there was a there was a young lady by the name of Corrie ten boom years later as she's traveling around speaking of all the horrors she felt she came in a face-to-face with one of the soldiers who abused her, a heartless German soldier. He had tortured her. He had beat her. He had jeered at her in the the shower. And look what she writes. This This is taken from her diary. He stood before me with hand outstretched and said, will you forgive me? I stared there. I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But I know that the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. I pray Jesus help me. And I love the way she says this. Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me, and I experienced an incredible thing. The current started on my shoulder, my shoulder, raced down in my arms, and sprang into our clutched hands. Then this warm reconciliation seemed to flood my whole being. My tears began to just flow. I forgive you, brother. I forgive you with my whole heart. For a long moment, we grasp each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I have never known the love of God so intensely as I did in that moment. And Corrington Boom went, went on to write this. To forgive is to set the prisoner free and to discover the prisoner all along was me. The word forgive literally means to let go. Resentment means to harbor And over and over again. And here's the word of God for you. Yes, you have a hard story. Yes, you've been broken. But don't carry it around. Let it go. It's time to release the bondage. It's time to release what was done for you. Because what Christ did for you is bigger than what anybody else has ever did to you. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. For some of you, God's just been speaking to you over and over about this. You keep coming back. Like, why the anger? Why the stress? Why the turmoil? Because you're carrying around attitudes and offenses. And Jesus would say to you, this morning, forgive. If you're here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would set people free. As you're calling us to be more like you. Lord, examine our hearts. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is there anybody that I'm holding offense towards? Do I need to forgive? And the Lord's speaking to you. Say, Pastor B, God's speaking to me. I need to forgive. Just raise your hand right there where you're at. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Everybody that raised your hand, I want you to just clench your fist like this. Clench your fist. And say this. 
Lord, I let it go. I'm going to count to three and I want you whatever it is. It might be a spouse. It might be a friend. It might be a business partner. It might be a mom or dad. It might be a spiritual leader. But say, Lord, I let it go. On the count of three, say, Jesus, I let it go. One, two, three. Let it go, God. No longer yours. I'm not holding it, Jesus. I'm releasing. Open your hands. Open your hands and say, Lord, I'm free. It's yours. What I want us to do is I want us to stand to our feet. And I want us to sing this song. And this morning, I want to pray for you. If you say, man, Lord, I want to pray through this. I want victory in my life. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. I'm going to be here in the front. And as we sing this song, I want the Lord just to work in our hearts and say, God, I'm willing to forgive. So if you here this morning, you say, Pastor B, I want somebody to pray for me as we sing this song. I want to be free. I want to drop the offense. Go ahead and come as we sing this song, as we close the service. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church Podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.